0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Beginning with verse 5, as you turn, I'm going to pray. Lord, I ask you to open eyes today, change lives, Father. Make us different and better, all because of our time shared together and in the Word. And we give you the honor for it in advance. Verse 5, so Jesus came to the city of Samaria. We have studied this in the past, and we all know that the Samaritans and the Jews had a bitter and hostile, sometimes even violent relationship with each other that had gone back hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, he came to Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, this is uh, blind to us because we're we're not from this time and this period, but visiting this area was a lot like visiting George Washington's house at at Mount Vernon or or, uh, Thomas Jefferson's home at Monticello or Dr. King's home on Auburn Avenue in Atlanta. It was a place of great cultural and historic significance. It says, now Jacob's, who was the Jacob became Israel. He is... Uh, the progenitor of the Jewish people. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jacob personally dug this well for his herds, for his family. And over time, it became a hub, kind of a a center of local life for the Samaritan community that was built around this area. But it was also a crossroad for travelers, and this is why Jesus actually shows up here because it was the quickest way into uh, Jerusalem. Jesus, therefore, being wearied. This scripture comforts me because Jesus, although he was 100% God, he was also 100% man. And if Jesus was human enough to need rest every now and then, so must you and I. And the reality is, I don't care who you think you are, we all need to sit down and and we all need a little time to shut down in order to become stronger and to regenerate. I, I learned this over vacation this year. If we don't schedule time to shut down, it'll only be a matter of time before you start to break down. And frankly, for this last vacation, I started breaking down. And I was like, I got it, I got it. It's not, I love everybody. I love my job and everything. But it was just a lot going on. And even the best of us, you need a little time just, 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 just to relax, get everybody else off your mind, and just enjoy yourself. It says, Jesus, being weary from his journey, sat. Nobody made him sit. He recognized what time it was. And what did he do? He sat thus by... The well, you know, even good things, whether, you know, it's raising children, working on your job, the the work of the ministry, uh, all of that can become counterproductive if you push it beyond its proper limits. You know, even Jesus here recognized the the authority of what we call the law of diminishing return. Just at some point, it's just not helpful enough uh, to keep going without pulling back and Refreshing. The Bible says it was about the sixth hour or 12 o'clock noon. By the way, he had walked about six hours, this was a long walk from Judea. Uh, he was trying to get away from the rivalry that the pharisees tried to develop between him and john the baptist and just a few verses earlier he started baptizing more people than john and everybody was talking about it people were taking sides well you know i'm following john no no i'm following jesus and that type of thing was was going on and and jesus needed to get away from it. he didn't even want to honor it with a conversation he just walked away from it and, and and here he is verse seven and there a woman of samaria came to draw water Now, since we don't live in a desert and we don't live in the Middle East, we might not get this, but no woman in her right mind would choose to draw water at the height of the heat of the day. This particular well was about 75 to 100 feet deep. It took a lot of elbow grease, and water is is one of the heaviest substances on earth. It took a lot of work to pull just one bucket out of the well. And because of the heat, women, they decided, you know, routinely what they would do is they would wait until morning, the cool of the day, get all their chores done, draw water, then take their water back to their homes. But Jesus here, and he sees something a little bit strange. Why is this woman out here by herself? No other woman is out here, just her drawing water in the heat of the day. But notice this, it says, a woman, she was all by herself, she was alone. Obviously, this woman was intentionally trying to avoid the crowd. Even before we get into the text, and you're just gonna have to believe me before we get there, this woman was probably like a lot of us, She was not voted most likely to succeed in her high school class. She was not voted most likely to become president. She wasn't voted most likely to become rich. If you look back at her yearbook picture and the title and what they put next to her name, next to her name was most likely to contract an STD. This was the life of this woman. But watch this. In spite of all of that, I mean, he had every reason to avoid her, every reason to judge her, every reason to say, you are foul and not worthy of conversation or attention, certainly not redemption. But the Bible says, but Jesus said to her, Aren't you glad that God doesn't depend on what other people think about us before he makes a decision to love on us? It's amazing. God will look past your faults and see a need. He's not intimidated by your sin. Your sin doesn't trouble him. Your sin doesn't cause him just a—not even a little bit of God is God, and, and your sin's about this big compared to the love, the grace, and the power of the Almighty. It says, Jesus said to her, now if there was ever a woman not to speak to, when you're traveling all by yourself and alone, it was this woman. But T.S. Eliot said this, only those who take risks of going too far ever find out how far they can go. Yes, yes, yes. So Jesus sitting there and he sees a need, but he also sees culture. He knows God's will, but then there's tradition. Now, I don't intentionally try to upset and, you know, turn over people's culture and tradition just for the sake of it. But when there's a need on the other side, you got to be willing to, to, you know, uh, turn over the sacred cows to do what's necessary to be a blessing. So he says, looks at her, starts a conversation by the way. Give me a drink. Here's something I know. If God ever asks you for something, it's not because he's trying to get something from you. It's always because he's trying to get something to you. Stay with me. For his disciples, again, he's by himself. They, they went into the city to buy food. And again, in this culture, it was lewd. To speak to a woman you did not know that wasn't part of your immediate family in public. Yet Jesus kept pushing the envelope because he knew this conversation had to happen in private. God organized all of these events so that they, they could have this private conversation. You know, some things you, you just can't have in front of everybody. something you can't talk about in front of everybody because people start judging. People start criticizing. Walls start going up. So Jesus recognized this woman had a need, but God put together the circumstances in order to address them. Here's something I know. I'd rather a sworn enemy than a friend who doesn't have discretion. You've heard say, what? uh, Loose lips sink ships. Jesus wanted to talk to her, but he was discreet enough to let his disciples go on into the city and talk to her alone. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, Jesus is Jewish. He has on, you know, that little prayer shawl thing, and he has on his clothes, and and just like you go to to, to India, you see people dressed in their native garb. You go to China, people dress according to their tribes, different parts of tribes. When I go to Ethiopia, different tribes dress a little bit differently. So here, it's obvious that Jesus is a Jew. She's dressed as a Samaritan, and he begins a conversation. So she asks a pretty good question. Dude, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? This woman's a little bit guarded here. And you shouldn't be surprised because Jesus asking her for a drink was like a white person in 1950s drinking from a colored water fountain. He, he, he was breaking all types of taboos here, you know, gender barriers, racial ethnic. He was breaking all types of things, but he was doing it in order to reach somebody. Yes. And, and, and don't let your rules get in the way yes. of reaching people. Yes. And then there's a little parenthetical statement. The writer it says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. One ancient rabbi remarked. Eating the bread of a Samaritan was like eating swine. And y'all know that Jewish people did not eat pork. But Jesus was willing to face whatever the criticism, whatever the ostracism that was necessary to reach this woman. She asked the question, Jesus answered. And he said to her, if you knew the gift of God, If you only knew what I was trying to get to you, you would have no problem with anything I might ask of you. If you only knew what she didn't know was killing her. People say that what they don't know won't hurt you. What you don't know will destroy you and kill you. She said, you're looking at me as a Jew. All you see is a man like every other man. Let me tell you something a little bit about this uh, water well. Yes, she came there for water, but the reality is she was probably also plying her trade because travelers, men, would often go to that water well. And that's where, you know, she could be introduced to a new John, So, there's this conversation going on, and Jesus is saying, the problem is you think I'm like every other man. The reason you're talking to me this way is because you don't get it yet. If you only knew the gift of God, everybody else in the world may be on a hustle, but not this man standing right before you right now. He said, if you knew the gift of God. Here's something else I know. The only reason people are ever reluctant to give to God is because they don't know him. It's true. If you knew how faithful he was, if you knew how giving, how compassionate, how merciful, how trustworthy he was, you jump at every single opportunity. If you knew, Jesus speaking, the gift of God, and who it is that's talking to you, saying, give me a drink, you would have asked him. Jesus' logic here is crystal clear. He was saying, lady, I don't need nothing from you. I know all them other men wanted something from you. I don't need nothing from you. In fact, the only reason he asked her for anything was so she might ask him back. That's what he said. You see, when you obey God, it creates a hope and an expectancy in the human heart that nothing else can achieve any other way. I, I don't know what it is in us, but somehow when someone gives you, a, a, I don't know, a, if you ask someone for a pencil, and, and they give you a pen. You, you, you feel comfortable then asking for a pen. It's just something that happens in that exchange. So God, to break the ice, he's like, well, here, give me some water. You hear what I'm saying? Because I know if I'm going to open up, you know, that barrier, I'm going to open it up. Because ultimately, I don't need your pencil. It's about you knowing I have something to give to you. Do you understand? That's important. That's important. And by the way, God never asks for anything because he he needs it. He only asks because we do. That's important. Watch this. Now, if you knew the gift of God, you you would ask, and who asked you for a drink? You would have asked him. And then when you would ask me, and you didn't get that attitude. Now, he's speaking of himself in the third person here, so it's a little difficult to follow. He would have given you, speaking of Jesus, living water. If she would have let go of what was in her hand, Jesus was saying, I would have let go of what was in my hand. If she would have just given him what she had, it would have set Jesus up to give her more than she could ever want. And by the way, that's the way God operates exceedingly abundantly above. All that we could ever ask Or think. Verse 11. But she wasn't quick. She still had a little more lip. So the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. She's just looking at Jesus as a regular old man. She's saying without a bucket, man, what are you talking about water? Your arms are not long enough to reach down, you know, 75, 100 feet to stir up this water. But she was about to find out no matter how deep the area no matter how great the promise nothing is beyond jesus's reach nothing where then do you get this living water you're talking to me about but she didn't understand jesus wasn't talking about h2o Jesus was saying, basically, what water is to your body, I want to become to your soul. I want to become a refreshing. You see, here's a woman, we're about to discover some things about her life, but Jesus didn't come to condemn her or to beat her. She was probably already doing that to herself, by the way. He came to refresh her. And many, we don't know God. That's why we run from him. That's why, because we don't, if we really knew how much he loved us, how much he was for us, that it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, that he wants to refresh us and add to us and give us peace and joy to pass on us, walk us through the valley of the shadow. He he wants to be with us in trouble. He wants to be with us in in, in triumph. He's that type of God. But because we don't know, we run. And she listens to all this, and it's almost too good to be true. And she's a thinking woman. She said, are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us this well? And he drank from it himself. I mean, it was good enough for Jacob. What you saying about my well here? As well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus very politely responds by saying, yes, I'm greater. Watch what he says. He said to her, I love the way he just knows who he is all the time. Whoever drinks of this water I'm talking about will thirst. Well, actually, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. I'm sorry, I got too quickly to the water Jesus was talking about. But the point here is nothing in life is permanent. No matter how much you eat or drink, it's amazing how the hunger and thirst always comes back. Never sacrifice the eternal for the immediate. By the way, this is what this woman had been doing. Never trade future blessings for temporary pleasures. She said, now, this water you've been messing with, you got to keep coming back. But I'm going to give you a fix that's permanent. Watch this. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Jesus wanted to put something so powerful in this woman that she would never hunger for anything beyond what God had given her. She would never have a thirst for things that couldn't satisfy any more. And here's something about the devil. He'll give you things to placate, but nothing to ever fix. Watch this is important because Jesus knew why she was at that well. Yeah, the ladies didn't like her. That was true. But also... The odds are she was there to meet a new man. Here, lady. And by the way, he kind of backs into it gently. He's about to get pointed in a few moments, but not yet. But the water that I shall give him will become in him, or in this case, in her. You see, this woman was trying to answer her problem through external things the men in her life, the things she did in her life. But Jesus was saying, you know what? The water I will give, it won't come from an external source. You won't need a man. It won't matter whether the girls like you or don't like you. You know, it won't matter, you know, it won't depend on the economy. It won't matter on who wins the election, by the way. It won't matter whether or not we're at peace or we're at war. It will be an inner, never-failing source of God that supplies peace and satisfaction beyond your wildest dreams. Jesus was talking some very, very serious stuff. And then he continues about this water. And he said, it will be a fountain, meaning it will spring, it will dance, it will sing. A fountain of water springing up into everlasting life, meaning it would last forever. Here's the challenge. You know, you get seduced into this one thing and it's exciting for a few minutes, but then a couple of weeks later it's gone. You got to go do it again. And then you go after that other thing. Then you go after that other thing. Then by the time you know it, you're on the 10th one. And then the 10th one's not like the first one. And you can't seem to get all that back. And this is what we do in life. But Jesus said, listen, what I want to do in your life is absolutely permanent and it can last forever. Stay with me. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit derekgreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.